are. So I pray today that by your grace and by your mercy, you would make your presence known among us in the sweetness of our fellowship. And we thank you for the grace of Christ our King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be. I want to share with you just a couple of things this morning in preparation for next week. If you're visiting with us, you've come in among us in a season where we're celebrating a capital campaign together as a congregation and preparing for a big day next Sunday called an in-gathering where we gather together as worshipers and we make an offering particularly to the Lord for our capital campaign. If you want information on that, we'd be glad to share it with you. After the service today, the brochures and this little envelope that I have will be made available to you as we have made them available to you a couple of weeks ago. Next Sunday is going to look a little bit different because we're going to have a time of commitment where we come forward and we actually give as an offering this envelope with um, our plan or our commitment or our pledge that we make in supporting the ministry of Kingsville Baptist Church in our, our home, God's family, emphasis of giving. Now, if you're a visitor, we love for you to watch. We're not asking anything of you. You just get to see how we as a church family operate. Um, we reviewed with you the things that were on this card a couple of weeks ago. I will share with you again a couple of things we're asking of you as a congregation. First, that you are praying. We set aside Tuesdays and Thursdays up until the capital campaign in gathering for particular fasting and prayer and think we would be benefited by continuing in that. We also gave some materials to you, reviewing it, spent an entire Sunday morning presenting it. And next week, we're going to give you the opportunity that after prayer, after consideration, that you would respond. And so we're asking that you would fill out this little card and drop it in this envelope. We've encouraged an initial offering as sort of um, a kickoff donation that will allow us to immediately start on some of this work. And so we're encouraging you through prayer and through giving to be a part of what's going on. A couple of things that we covered with you is that in doing this, we want to really celebrate the past that God has given us. We want to serve the present that we're in, and we also want to make a good foundation for the future. Also next Sunday, we want you to know we'll be kind of coming in different groups to make that offering. So be ready for the service to be a little different than you've seen before. Also, we're having a great big dinner afterwards. Full-blown Thanksgiving dinner. We'll leave the sanctuary next Sunday morning after church. We'll go over and eat together as a church family and spread out across the campus eating. We have turkey and dressing and some fixings with that. Looking forward to that meal. And then after the meal, we're going to come back over here and see how God has blessed us through your generosity and through your giving, and we'll actually get a report on what was given initially that day, and then we'll also see what has been pledged for the 18-month duration of the capital campaign. I'll be addressing some more of that during the message this morning, but right now I want to introduce you to someone who is a 
vital member of what we do at Kingsville. He is a 21-year member with his family. He's also served with the Louisiana Baptist Foundation for 21 years. And uh, he is the director of planned giving. And he's also the chairman of our finance committee and a dear brother in the Lord. Jerry Love's going to come and talk with you for just a moment. Y'all give him a big welcome. You can save your applause until after I'm done. Then you may not want to give it at that point. But anyway, it has been it has been a privilege for the last 21 years to uh, work for you as Louisiana Baptist through the Louisiana Baptist Foundation. Our primary job at the foundation is to help uh, people, Louisiana Baptists in particular, give in various ways to support the ministry of their church or of the various ministries of the Louisiana Baptist Convention uh, and those associated ministries, uh, specifically as part of our home, God's family. We wanted to be able to remind you that there are ways to give other than just writing a check or putting cash in the envelope and in the offering plate. I know everyone, two weeks ago, we were given this brochure. Pastor Bart referred to it. We still have some in the back. But I know you've been carrying these in your back pocket or in your purse for the last two weeks, right? You can take them out now and wave them at me, right? Oh, okay. Well, when you get home, uh, look in your nightstand drawer or between the seats of your car, wherever your long-term storage is. Take this out and look on the very back. Uh, we've listed some ways there that you can give other than writing a check. One of the primary ways and, and one of the best tax-wise giving is to give assets, uh, uh, excuse me, appreciated assets, which would include stock. If, if you uh, have a stock portfolio, you have assets that have gone up in value uh, or real estate, any of those types of assets that have increased in value since you've owned them. And if you sold it, you would have to pay capital gains tax. You can give those assets, receive a current tax deduction for that, but also avoid paying the capital gains. The church would then sell it or the foundation would sell it on the church's behalf, and then the proceeds would uh, go to the church without the church paying any tax on it, and that it would save you taxes as well. So that's the type of things that we deal with on a regular basis. There's also uh, different methods of giving. Donor advised giving is listed here. That's a different type of an account that you can set up through the foundation, deposit money into it, and at different times you can uh, request that it be dispersed to Kingsville or some other ministry that God may have laid on your heart. If you're a senior adult, 70 and a half and over, you have the privilege of uh, uh, directing from an IRA account that you may have. You can direct money from that IRA directly to the church. You don't get a tax deduction, but it does not come to you as taxable income. Uh, so there's advantages to doing that. Um, also listed on here, gifts for the future. Now, we hope no one participates in this too quickly. In other words, you're going to write your will, leave a gift of your will. So we don't want to see that until way, way, way down the road. But it is a vital part of giving to this church. There are um, instruments called charitable gift annuities, all types of things that you can do to leave a gift to the church in the future. Some of them even may benefit you in the meantime, such as the charitable gift annuity. Uh, the last way that we can be of, of benefit to you, if you would like to remain anonymous in your giving to the church, we can assist with that. Now, there are different ways we can do that. Uh, but if you would like to just talk to us about giving to the foundation or through the foundation for the church and remain anonymous to the church, we'd be glad to help you do that. Um, please contact us. This, uh, this morning I have a table in the back that has uh, more information. Each one of these has a different brochure that you can pick up and find out more information about it. There's a general brochure that tells you about the foundation and a little bit more about who we are and what we do. 
Uh, so it's back here on this side of the, the foyer, if you'd like to pick that up. I'll be back there for a few minutes afterwards as well, if you'd like to uh, discuss anything with me. As Pastor Bart said, that uh, I am the chairman of the Stewardship Committee at this point. I want to encourage you, personally, to remain faithful in your tithes and offerings. We're going to be presenting our 2019 budget to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's always a consideration when we started to a capital campaign. The concern is that our current giving is going to uh, drop. We need to be faithful in our current giving. But I'm also going to ask you to consider what God will have you do in committing to our home and God's family, uh, this campaign that we've started. If there's anything that I can help you do through the foundation, uh, please contact me, and we will be glad to do so. But I'm going to ask you to stand, and Jeff, wherever Jeff is, is going to continue to lead us in worship. Thank you. Tell y'all one thing. Um, sometimes, I mean, prayer goes into every song um, that we that we select and that we sing, and um, I just need I just need to hear this song today. So uh, that's why we put this one in there. We're a little bit deviating from some of the bulletin, but uh, we do. We'll have the words and everything for you. This is just what a friend we have in Jesus.
played this song last week. It's just a good, simple song, so we ask that you sing it with us.
Church, would you open your Bibles with me and join me in Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, and we'll read through the end of the the chapter. Beginning in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you, Lord, first thanking you for your love for us, your steadfast love that you show to us even in our complete undeservingness, Lord. Your covenant love, Lord, which you showed to Abraham and to all of his generations into David, Lord, and then you made manifest through Jesus Christ, Lord. We praise you for that. Father, I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, for putting treasures on earth in front of you, for thinking that there is something on this earth that can satisfy us, Lord. There is a way, Lord, that seems right to man, but its way ends in death, Lord, and how often do we fall into that trap? Would you remind us that in your presence there's fullness of joy, Lord, that at your right hands are pleasures forevermore, that you have treasures laid up in heaven for us, Lord, that do not uh, decay and that do not fade, Lord, and you have given us yourself. Let those truths ring heavy in our hearts, Lord, and let our lives be characterized by love for you.
We praise you for all that you've done. And I pray that this service would just glorify you, Lord, and that everything we would do would be for your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
pray that everything we do today, uh, whether it's singing songs, whether it's hearing your word, whether it's conversing with family and friends, God, it'd be done so in light of that grace that we've been given. Um, So, Father, we ask that your spirit would empower us as we hear your word brought to us. Allow us to understand it, God. Allow us to take these things to heart um, and allow us just to enjoy time together with our family. Uh, We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I sure do love you all and count it such a joy to be able to stand before you and share God's word with you. And it delights me to be able to encourage you this week concerning your home and your family and to continue to do that in the next several months as we walk together through this time, this season of celebration of God among us called Our Home, God's Family. I want to review with you for just a moment some things that I shared with you Last week, we had in our presentation this house down on Mexico Beach that endured the storm that came through there as Hurricane Michael plowed through and just really laid waste to so much of that area. But this one particular house endured the storm. And we talked about last week how the man who built the house built it with the storm in mind. And we looked at what Jesus said in Matthew 7 about laying the foundation of your life on Him and His teachings so that when the storm comes, you will be able to endure, whether it's the storm of testing or the storm of judgment, the storm of temptation or the storm which brings God's end times upon all of us, we would be ready to stand firm. In doing that, we talked about a focus that we're going to have in the following months. And we talked about having our focus, and this is kind of lanyap, it's not in your outline, it was last week, how we want to focus on three homes and three families. The three homes are the home that we live in. That's where we're residing right now. Also, our church home. We are blessed to have this wonderful, generous loving congregation to be a part of our lives and for us to be a part of each other's lives in Christ in this church. And then we talked about our eternal home. And now everything done in our church home and everything done in the home where we reside should be done in light of our eternal home. And Jesus is going to make that connection for us in Matthew chapter 6. He gave that connection a little bit also in the Lord's Prayer when He said that we would pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's, there's this idea that the eternal home and what it will be like is having influence on our temporal home where we are and who we are today. We also talked about three families. We talked about Our home family, our relatives, our immediate family, those that we reside with, those that are a part of our family structure. We talked about our church family, how we're tied together in Christ as 
brothers and sisters, children of the living God through adoption by faith in Jesus Christ. These were all themes that are a part of this glorious thing called the church family. And then our eternal family, which means all of the folks for all time who have believed in God and trusted Him. The Old Testament, those made righteous through faith in God. The New Testament, those who were made righteous through faith in Christ. And our eternal family, uh, this great cloud of witnesses mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12. And so, We are to do everything in this immediate family at our home and this church family in light of our eternal family. This week what I want to talk to you a little bit about is uh, becoming the model home. The model home where you live and the model church home. And what that would mean for us, I went online and kind of dug around and looked at some model homes. I'll show you some pictures of that in just a moment. But this is kind of the essence of the model home. So, getting your outline and filling this in, this is what it looks like. First, it's an environment to know God, to grow in His likeness, and to show others what He is like. And in a sense, that's where the focus is on the model home. It is a focus where we want to display through how we live in our homes and how we live in our church home and how we take that out into our communities, into our workplaces, into the places where we do business, shop, do recreation, interact with others, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, and to the nations. We want to show what God is capable of in building a home that loves and serves Him, that seeks to know Him, seeks to grow in His likeness, and seeks to show what He is like to others. Now, as I went online, I I just typed in model homes. And, you know, when you think about model homes, you think about people who are constructing a neighborhood and a, a contractor who wants to show what he's capable of and what he's capable of Providing for you, if you choose this contractor, if you choose this builder, this is what he can do for you. And these are the kind of things that I found. Really nice. Alright, this is in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, these are some pretty elegant homes there. Big, beautiful backyard. This is why we like HGTV so much. We like Chip and Joanna to take something that's just kind of rough and rustic and make it big and beautiful and glorious. And so, um, it's the kind of view you could have if you use this contractor and, and use this builder. This, the kind of kitchen you can have if you employ them. Now, what's interesting is that what they're doing is they're appealing to you to kind of tap on something that you want. They're, 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 they're working to kind of get us to say, you know, you know, you, know you want this. It's kind of like that new car smell thing when you go to look at cars and, you know, you want this. We can make it so affordable for you. And they offer you this model so it can show you this is what you can have. Here's the, here's the thing. What God wants to do in your home and in this church home is have such a godly, Christ-like, loving, truth-telling, high accountability, loving interaction 
serving one another, washing each other's feet, encouraging, building each other. He wants us to have such a... When somebody comes in here, they say, who's your contractor? When they spend time in your home and see how different you are, how kind, how patient, how Christ-like, how encouraging... How gospel-centered your life is. What they, that they'll come into your home and, and as they eat at their ta- your table, they'll say, who's your architect? Who built this home? Who made you guys like you are? I'd like to have that builder. I'd like to have that architect. Because what you have is what we've been looking for. You have love. You have acceptance. You have truth. You have vitality. There's something about you that makes me want to enlist the very builder who built your church home, who built the home that you live in, and the kind of family that you have. I want that. And so part of what we're called to do is live in such a way, and I wrote it out, Just to quote it, a model home is not a perfect home, but one where we are convinced that Jesus would delight to dine in. Jesus would delight to fellowship in. Jesus would delight to dwell in, to sleep in. A place where He is most welcome, most loved, most exalted, most proclaimed, most treasured. That's the model home. Where everything in it is built around the person of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're dead poor and you have a dirt floor. I've been in homes with Satchila who loved Jesus where I felt so loved and welcomed and the walls of their structures were made of split bamboo cane. It's not about fancy show places and having all the right accoutrements and having everything look lovely. It's about a kind of love that is so different from the way the world functions that it's attractive. It's attractive here when we gather. It's attractive in our small groups. It's attractive when we pray and worship. It's attractive when we love and serve. It's attractive to others because there's a genuine kind of love that people are looking for. Jesus gives us four particular, there's really way more than four lessons here, but four particular lessons I would like to focus on today as we think about how do we build our homes. And think about what are the components that should be in the home that is built to His glory. And so I'm going to break what Toby read into four pieces. So let me start with, As followers of Jesus Christ, we learn that what and where we treasure is what and where we store up. Jesus started with that in verse 19 of Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. There is this tendency among North American culture to build fancy, to own a lot, to store up lots of temporary um, material wealth, and to have a high level of trust 
and pride in those things. Jesus addresses that and says, when we get in that mode, we're in a mode where we're revealing what our real treasures are. We, by how we act and by how we store, reveal where our treasures are and, as Jesus says, where our hearts are. And so if we'll look at our tendencies, if we'll look at our checkbooks, if we'll look at our belongings, if we'll look at how we conduct ourselves with our stuff, it will reveal to us a tendency of where we're storing up. I heard a hilarious story one time. It was a story of a guy... You know, of course, fable and parable of a guy getting to heaven and, and he, you know, gets to meet all the saints and Jesus and all the great stuff that happens. Uh, and, and then they say, well, it's time to show you your house. And they take him down the street and get to the little end of the little street and there's this little bitty shack there. Just a little bitty shack. He said, man, when we were at church, we sang all those songs about mansions and stuff. Where's my mansion? And the, the person showing him around says, well, this is all the lumber you sent. I'm wondering if in that parable is not a statement about us. About when we arrive to heaven and we have revealed to us, have we really been storing up treasure in heaven? Or was our major investment of time, energy, of giftedness, and of material things all invested on ourselves for immediate gratification? make us ashamed when we take a look at what we've actually stored up in heaven. And so Jesus addresses that. He addresses it very sternly. He says in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So how we're storing things up is revealing where our heart really is. Jesus goes a little further. As followers of Jesus Christ, we learn that what and where we treasure is what and where we stare at. Listen to his words. Verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye, and therefore, if therefore the eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus was talking about how we look at things. And he was saying the things that we value are the things we gaze at. We lock in on. We spend time looking. I'm really bad about that. I like catalogs. Anybody else like catalogs? I like them so much I call them synologs. Because I, I like to just look at all the things that I could have. And guess what that does to my heart? It makes my heart begin to think that it's missing something. It makes me want to buy, to obtain, to get, to have, and to store up here. That's when my eye is bad. But when my eye beholds Jesus and His glory, when my eye beholds my neighbor who is lost and needs Jesus, when my eye beholds the nation's three billion people who have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, my eye gets healthy 
And it brings light into the darkness in me. And it allows me to gaze at things eternal and to invest in them. Very often our eyes are so locked on the things that we look at on earth that we miss everything God intends for us in investing in heaven. John Piper had a quote that I thought was helpful to me. The good eye sees God and His ways as the great treasure in life. In other words, when my focus is on God and His work to me and love for me in Christ Jesus, it changes what I want to do with what I have. My heart, being led by what is good and light and right, wants to invest in the things that are good and right and eternal. The third thing Jesus points out is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we learn that what and where we treasure is what and where we stress over. If we're working on storing up here, and if we're staring at the things that are here, then the things that are here are going to be the things that we are stressed over. That's why anxiety follows. Verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life. For what reason? For the things He just told us. That our storing up and our staring at is the very thing that's causing us to stress out. We're worried about the wrong things. We're worried not about the souls of men in the eternal state, but we're worried about the stock market. Or we're worried about, will I have the right clothes? Or the car? Or the house? Or the food? He mentions these things. And so what happens is, is when our storing up and when our staring at gets off key, we begin to be stressed out. Anxiety sets in. And it begins to gnaw away at our energy. It begins to gnaw away at our health. It begins to gnaw away at our relationships. And all of a sudden we become obsessed with the things rather than with God. Jesus' long treatise on stress reminds us that the reason we're stressed out is that it's a problem with our faith. And the problem with our faith is the problem with our focus. And so if we can go back and say, you know what, I need to store up differently. I need to stare at things differently so that I don't be stressed out over all these things. Well, how do I do it? And that's what he answers in the fourth Part here. As followers of Jesus, we learn that what and where we treasure is what and where we seek for. If I'm storing up here, I'm seeking stuff here. If I'm staring at here, that's how I'm seeking it. If I'm stressed out here, I'm seeking to try to relieve my stress by becoming more comfortable or by becoming more secure in the things that I've been storing up and, and, and staring at. And so I get all out of whack. This happened to me a few years ago. I want to share you just a personal testimony here. You're going to find out how, what a rotten guy I really am. Um, 
When I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, it, it had an impact on me, and I really didn't want to admit it, okay? I did not want to admit it, try to be cool about it and play spiritual and, 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 and motor through it. But it had an impact, and, and the way that I can see the impact now is in hindsight. I couldn't see it then because I was trying to be spiritual and act like I had it together. But after the surgery, I had the surgery in, in August of 2016. After the surgery, I began, I went on like a buying spree. It wasn't a big spree. I didn't get myself in debt. I didn't go and charge the credit cards up. But I took a lot of extra resources that I had, and I began buying stuff that I didn't need. And I began grasping those things. I was scared. I was frail. I was mortal. And in my frailness, in my scaredness, I began trying to grab hold of something when God was there to be latched onto the whole time. I began grasping at Temporal things, I began storing up temporal things, staring at temporal things, and stressing over temporal things. And the result was, I was not seeking first the kingdom of God. And God has shown me clearly in hindsight what was happening then, but because I was not walking with Him in the kind of depth that I should have been walking in, it showed on me by how I used my money. I'm ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of what it made me. I'm ashamed of what I became as a result of it. It made me cranky, nervous, snappy. And I was trying to get my hands on something temporal because I was scared of the eternal. This is not uncommon. We battle this kind of thing every day. And so the result that Jesus says, He he says, here's here's the deal. There are two mindsets on seeking. There's the mindset of the pagan. Read it. What does He say? Verse 31. Do not be anxious then saying, "With what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. He says, the pagans are looking for something temporal because they don't have the eternal in their values and in their view and in their treasures. And so they have to obtain to find some way for meaning and purpose and security. And that's what they do. And he said, but you, You followers, you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. These are strong words from Jesus. They're words we need to stop and measure ourselves by and ask. With all sincerity, could I describe myself as a person who obeys this command of Jesus?
is this the nature of my life? Seeking first His kingdom. Jesus isn't telling us this because He's trying to give five steps to a fuller life. He's telling us this because eternity is hanging in the balance. He's going to tell us in just a few verses that these are the words you build your house on if you want your house to endure the storm of testing or judgment. And so Jesus has set us up here for a challenge. He set us up for a confrontation. He set us up for a time alone where we stand before God and we get in our prayer closet and we ask this question. Is my home a home where I could honest to God say, we seek first His kingdom. And His righteousness. Because I believe that that's the key to the model home. If we want a model home church and a model home home where we reside, I believe there is a necessity for every one of us here to take a genuine, sincere evaluation And ask the question, would Jesus say that I seek first His kingdom and His righteousness? I'm not asking you what other people would say. I'm not even interested in what you would say. Toby said it. There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it is death. But that every one of us could could FaceTime with Jesus in prayer and ask Him, Jesus, would you say to me, would you say of me that my family and my home Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. Would you bow with me? There's more I would like to tell you today, but I really believe this is a great place to stop. And I want to ask you to do something. You know, when we come into things like capital campaigns, it's so easy to, to get caught up in the, the externals. And they're important. I don't want to miss that. Externals, they matter. I care about them. But it's possible 
that we could get caught up in those and miss the internal where Jesus is drawing us in to ask us a couple of questions. Here's the questions. Where are you storing up? Just good question. Where are you storing up? Is it here or is it heaven? Is it now or is it eternal? Second, he's asking us, what are you staring at? What have you focused on? What have you been obsessing over? What have you been pursuing? What have you been longing for? What have you been looking at? What is it that you have as the vision of what would make you happy? Is Christ that vision? Is He the one you are looking at? Is He the one you're looking to? Is He the one you are looking for? Or is it something else? He's also asking us, what are we stressed about? Are we stressed that people are dying and going to hell right now? Or is that on our radar today? Are we stressed that we've got some brothers and sisters from our own flock who are deeply, deeply struggling with even keeping themselves alive this week? For them, it'll be a battle to make it to Wednesday or Thursday. What are we stressed about? So, really, it all comes down to what are we seeking? Jesus said it. He said, seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. And then He promises that He'll take care of the rest. Would you be willing today to say, God, (laughs) I've been storing up and staring at and stressing out over things that are not eternal and not essential. So I need today to seek first your kingdom. For some of you, it would be an initial step. You've heard about God. You've heard about Jesus. And the good news is is that God, through Jesus, has offered to forgive you of your sins by Jesus' death as your sacrifice and His resurrection as your hope. And that Jesus actually died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. And He was raised from the dead according to the Scriptures on the third day. And He ascended to be at God's right hand. And even this moment, He would welcome you to leave yourself, leave your seat, leave your sin and march straight towards Him and be saved. I want to encourage you to do that today. Believer, I want to encourage you to repent. Join me in being able to, in hindsight, assess the times we've gotten off track and to do something about it. Through confession, through repentance, and through deeds in keeping with repentance. Would you stand as God leads you? Would you come today?